the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Thank you so much for joining us. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well, Diane. How are you? I am well. Before we get into the the meat of the show, I wanted to explain to those listeners that weren't aware that you are offering the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. So if listeners would like a second opinion on their portfolios, if you'd like Josh to check it over, see how you're doing, you can take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. Schedule a 15-minute call with Josh, and you'll get a $25 gift card to support our local community. The number to call is 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. The limit is one per household, and this works the best for portfolios of $250,000 and up. Josh, what is the biggest question you're getting right now from, from clients? What are their biggest concerns? Well, you know, market volatility is a big one. Uh, particularly people that are nearing retirement, but even across the board, just the volatility has been so severe, uh, you know, up multiple percentages per day, down multiple percentages. How do I alleviate that volatility is one. And the other one for people that are in retirement is interest rates. How do I achieve some sort of uh, safe rate of return when interest rates are, I went to the local bank and CDs are at 1%. Those are the two big ones, which I'm sure we'll talk about as we go into today. Let's talk about trust funds. Is that something important? What is it? And is it something that that listeners should know about? I hear a lot of questions about trust and there's there's a lot of reasons why you would want to do one, but there's also reasons why you wouldn't want to do one. So let's talk about what it is. One in, in first disclaimers, I'm not an attorney, highly recommend you consult, uh, you know, the attorney of your choice or call my office and we can refer you out to somebody. But a trust in general is a way for you to control how your assets are spent in many instances per, after you're, you're dead. Um, so you can kind of have some controls from the grave, but it also is a way that you can protect your assets and make sure that they live long beyond you. So some examples here you'll hear is, um, you know, I have a trust, for example, uh, I have young kids. If something were to happen to uh, me and my wife, I want to make sure that those assets that I've left for my kids cannot be spent frivolously by who ends up taking care of my kids when I'm gone. So I have a trust that sets up how 
those assets would be spent out at my death. Other trusts would say, in the event that I go to a nursing home, I want to make sure that my house does not get taken away from the surviving spouse or my kids, so you can set your house up in a trust, et cetera. But at its core, uh, most trusts are considered, what in, in our world, we call them non-natural people. And what I mean by that is it's an, a living entity. So the trust isn't of itself. Think of it almost like a business. So what I put in that trust, depending on the type of trust that I have, either goes in when I die or I can put money into it while I'm alive. In many cases, that purpose, while I'm alive to move money into a trust, is to protect it. Protect it from probate, protect it from creditors, protect it from long-term care facilities, etc. And there's a whole lot of rules that we have to abide by to make sure that that protection uh, actually occurs. But then it gives us the ability to not only protect, but how do we pay out? That's the benefit, is we can protect assets, we can dictate how they get paid out to whoever we want to leave those assets to. The downside is it is uh, some hurdles. If, uh, if I pass away and I leave all my money in a trust, I have to appoint a trustee. So I have to decide who is a good person to be in charge of this, how am I going to compensate them, because it can be a significant amount of work depending upon the level of the trust. Obviously, there's still attorneys involved when I pass away, and there can be charges associated with legal costs and the administration of the trust in the front and then in the back. And then also there's some tax consequences that can be unforeseen. For example, to get in the top tax bracket in the United States, you have to have an income of north of something like $500,000 to get in the 37% tax bracket. For a trust to get in the 37% tax bracket, it's down near $12,000. So you leave all this money to a trust, and let's say that it's a million dollars, and that trust earns 10%, which is $100,000, but the trust says that you can only pass out $50,000 to your, the beneficiary of that trust. Well, that 50000 that you pass out to the beneficiary gets taxed at their individual rate. The 50000 that remains inside of that trust is considered income of the trust, depending on how it's held. And now that 50000 is being taxed for the most part at 37%. So you have to make sure that the, I guess the juice is kind of worth the squeeze. And what I'm trying to accomplish is the trust, the best way to do it. I see oftentimes, Diane, that people go get trust just because it seems like a cool thing to do. And when in reality, they really didn't need one. Uh, if your sole purpose is just to bypass probate, in many instances, you don't need a trust to do that. So make sure that if you, if you think you need one, you consult with professionals both you know, from a financial planning perspective and, and a legal perspective, because that's ultimately who would set up the trust. And does it make sense for what I'm trying to accomplish? Or I just, do I just want to trust because it sounds like a, hey, I have a trust. That's a cool thing. You know, I'm, I'm in the big leagues now because I have a trust. It might not be necessary. What are the benefits of a trust over just a will? Uh, one bypasses probate. Uh, so, you know, a will, if you don't know what probate is, when you pass away, your will says how you want the money spent, but the courts have to in- essentially enforce that. There's costs associated with that and also time. So you want to alleviate that cost and time so you have all of your assets dis- distributed to a trust, and then the trust bypasses that process, eliminates a lot of costs and a lot of hurdles and a lot of time, and spreads your money off to your beneficiaries. However, if you only have a home and let's say some retirement accounts, you can do that with transfer on death elections on your both your home and all of your bank accounts and beneficiary elections on your retirement accounts. So unless there's another reason why you would want to trust, it may or may not make sense. Not by any means slamming trust. They can make a tremendous amount of sense, but you may or may not actually need one. Make sure you, you ask professionals before you 
run out and just grab one. Who is the perfect candidate for a trust then? Oftentimes, as people get older and they have accumulated a significant amount of assets or they own their house uh, without a mortgage, two big reasons I see for trust is protecting the house from uh, long-term care. So putting your house into a trust, that really is not that expensive, nor does it require a whole bunch of hurdles to do. And then two, you know, husband and wife scenario, maybe husband has early onset Alzheimer's, knows that a home, uh, a long-term care facility could be in their future, but they still have some time to, to do some planning. How do we protect the assets to ensure that the surviving spouse has enough assets to, to live on for the remainder of their life? Uh, lots of times we'll see trust work involved there. And then the third one, without getting into too many scenarios, would be uh, a scenario like mine, where you know something happens to you and your spouse, you have young kids, and maybe the person that's going to take care of those kids, while great, it would be the perfect candidate for raising your children. You want to make sure that they don't then in turn have to have the, the minutia or the, the detail of having to manage the financial side of things as well, or maybe that's not their you know, their ballywick and it just doesn't make sense to leave it in their category or even worse yet, you know, they're a spendthrift and they're going to blow through the money quickly. You can put it in a trust and kind of govern how that money is dispensed from, from the grave. You can make sure that it's spent according to their wishes and you can be very, very particular. So you can decide, you know, here's another one. I have two kids. One is perfect with, and this is not my scenario, but one is perfect with money. The other one is a complete another spendthrift. I know that if I give them half of my money, it'll be gone in a week. The other one I'm not worried about. Well, if I just set up a beneficiary scenario where I say I want the money spent 50-50, one's going to get 50% spent it in a week, the other one's going to do prudent things with it. I can actually in a trust say this person gets this, this person gets a distribution for the rest of their life. I have now created a lasting legacy or an income stream that will actually help that second child that would have blown that money in, in a matter of a week. So you really can dictate exactly how you want your assets to be useful when you're gone. All right, if anyone has questions and if you'd also like a second opinion on your portfolio and you'd like to check it over and see how you're doing, you can take the Aptis Blueprint Challenge. You schedule a 15-minute call with Josh and you'll get a $25 gift card to support our local community. The number is 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. It's spelled A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. Word from the Fed's Josh is they plan to keep interest rates near zero through 2022. How do low interest rates uh, affect us in retirement? Well, there's some good sides to, to low interest rates. Obviously, you know, buying a home and keeping home prices up because of affordability of mortgage rates, that's fantastic. But the downside is that low interest rates provide people in retirement very few options to provide low risk or risk-free returns on their money. And when we get older, you know, there's the old rule, if you haven't heard it, you take, you know, the number 100 and subtract your age, and that remaining amount is the percentage that you should still have in the stock market. The remainder of those assets should be in something safe. So when you're 30 years old, that would mean you can have 70% of your money in the stock market and 30% of your money or your age in safe stuff. But now fast forward and you're 65 years old, the old uh, rule of thumb is, you should have 65% of your money in safe investments, thus limiting volatility and all the things that we talk about all the time on the show, Diane. But if that safe money, 65% of your money is invested at CDs at the bank earning 1%, your retirement looks pretty compromised. 
and that's the environment we're in. And it used to be, or it always has been for the last 20, 30 years, that that safe investment was bonds. So you would gradually over time shift your stock investments to bond investments, thus making your portfolio safer. The downside is bonds and interest rates are inversely proportional, meaning as interest rates go up, bond prices go down. So where are we right now? We're at the lowest interest rates in history. Uh, I actually had a client come in this week and say that they got a mortgage uh, on a second home at under 3% for 30 years, which is just astounding to me that banks are willing to loan money for 30 years at less than 3%. But that's where we're at. So if you think interest rates have a higher chance of going up, bond prices are not going to be affected favorably there. So your bond portfolio, which you thought was your safe haven, would have a potential of either performing you know, at very low interest rates or poorly and actually losing money, taking away that quote volatility protection in that you know when bonds go uh when the stock market goes down bonds typically go up that relationship could possibly be in jeopardy but you say i want to get out of the bond market i'll just stay in cds or i'll stay in you know some sort of savings account you're not earning anything so that's a big problem and where do i see you know options out there i think we talked about this uh last week annuities annuities are a good option right now where they may have not been the best option 10 years ago, they're a very, very strong option for safe money now, particularly indexed annuities, because indexed annuities are going to index off of the stock market, but they provide a downside protection on an annual basis. So essentially, if you compare them to interest rates and you say, well, you know, I'm hoping that my fixed allocation or my bond allocation earns 3 to 5%, that's essentially where fixed indexed annuities end up landing typically over time. So if you compare them to the stock market, wrong comparison. Compare them to the bond market, and it's a great opportunity to achieve that, that interest rate. So, Josh, we're going to talk more about that. We're coming up to a break. We're going to talk more about annuities when we come back. I'm Diane Brennan, and this is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. This is Josh Pick, founder of Aptus Wealth Management with a special offer. If you are planning for retirement or currently retired, it's time to get a second opinion. The first step is always the hardest, so I'll make a deal with you. Schedule an intro call today and learn how the Aptus Blueprint helps reduce market risk and protect income, and I'll give you a $25 gift card to help support our local community. To take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge and get your $25 gift card, call 614-364-7300. We only have 23 spots available. Again, that's 614-364-7300. Limit one per household minimum investment, 250 To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300.
Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, before we took a break, we were talking about the low interest rates and how annuities can play a really positive impact on your retirement. And we were talking about fixed index annuities. Let's go over that again and talk about the other options as well when it comes to annuities. Yeah, I want to talk about two things, Diane. One, fixed index annuities at their core, upside potential in the stock market, no downside risk with a whole host of what we call income benefits available to them, essentially meaning that they can provide an enhanced income benefit for you for the rest of your life that you can outlive in many cases, or at least in a few that I can think of providing an inflation adjustment as well. These income benefits in their form today is not the same as they used to be 10 years ago. There's one in particular I can think about that provides an unbelievable income benefit on the back end of the contract that can provide you an incredibly enhanced income for the remainder of your life and your spouse's. It also has an incredible death benefit that essentially will earn about double what your fixed interest rate uh, side of the account would have earned over time. So I tell you that to tell you this. We're talking about all these negative things it seems like every week, Diane. We're talking about you know, there's COVID, we have, uh, you know, riots happening in the streets and interest rates are low. And how big is that challenge in retirement? And the stock market volatility is, is high. So I want to give you an idea on something that low interest rates could actually benefit you on. There are two ways when you own a deferred annuity contract. And by deferred annuity contract, I mean that you have to stay in for a period of time. It's much like a CD. And if you get out of that deferred annuity contract early, you're subject to a penalty. That's the one way that the insurance companies can penalize you for leaving early. Over the last 10 or 20 years, as interest rates have steadily gone down, insurance companies wanted to protect themselves in another way. And they came up with something called a market value adjustment. And what that means is if interest rates go down, then bond prices go up. And they're guaranteeing your product off of bond prices. So what they said was, if interest rates start going up, bond prices could go down, and that would adversely affect our ability to offer those guarantees. We could get hurt as the insurance company if clients surrendered their contracts early. Now, we were in incredibly low interest rates. They assumed there was no direction for interest rates to go but up. But insert COVID-19. And I just got done telling you that mortgage rates are at all-time lows, even lower than they were six months ago. They never anticipated that. So I have clients that have had contracts for two and three years that maybe I didn't place them in or they weren't great contracts and they've wanted to get out of them, but they thought they were trapped for the next six, seven, eight, nine years sometimes. Because those interest rates have plummeted, the bond value has gone up, making their market value adjustment incredibly positive. So I'll give you an example. I had a client come in the other day. They had a $300,000 account in a policy that they did not like they wanted to get out of. It was underperforming, not one that I was a part of. They were three years into a 10-year contract. Their surrender charges were still about $20,000 if they pulled out early. Their market value adjustment was exactly the same amount. So they have the ability, albeit a finite window, Diane, to get out of this contract early, reallocate to the stock market, reallocate to a savings account, or reallocate to one of these newer annuities that provides an income benefit that could fit their plan better. Whatever their choice is, at the end of the day, they have a very finite window because if interest rates go up, that market value adjustment benefit to them goes away. So it's very important that you do a review right now of any old annuity contract that you have. It may be the best opportunity that you've had to get out of this early. To put it in perspective how unusual this big swing is, 
the last time I saw market value adjustments hit the level that they are today was in 2003. So they don't come around all the time. It's a tremendous opportunity to revisit it, and it may be the perfect timing for you to get out of an annuity contract that you don't want to be in. But don't wait and don't hesitate because it could be two days, it could be two weeks, it could be two years. We just don't know. you got to look at it now. Should we talk about the different types of annuities at this point, Josh? I know last week I'd asked you about who's the perfect candidate for each type of annuity. Yeah, there's a few different types of annuities, but at their core, and by different types, I mean what they kind of mark their performance off of. So I'll get to the the deferred annuities is what I'm speaking of in particular. So there's three different types of deferred annuities. And by deferred, it means I don't want my income today. I'm going to let this grow and at some point take income off of it. So I'm deferring my income. There are fixed, fixed indexed, and variable annuities. In that category, I would say for the retiree, the fixed and fixed index are more than likely the two best choices with a few anomalies. For a younger person, it really depends on the tax bracket that they're in, if a variable annuity will, will work for them or an index annuity will work for them because they are in a variable annuity occurring fees that they don't necessarily need to incur by investing in the stock market, but there is a tax benefit for non-qualified dollars. So if I got kind of deep in the weeds on that, I apologize. Just know that in rare scenarios, variable annuities do make sense. Matter of fact, I own one. But very um, rare scenarios. So let's say if you're like, why did you choose to get one? It's a good question. One, I'm already maxing out my 401k in its entirety. I can't put any more money into my deferred, you know, my qualified plans. So I'm looking for a place to save dollars without incurring taxes on the gains today because I believe I'm in a significantly higher tax bracket today than I will be when I retire. So the tax benefit of being able to save non-qualified or, or non-IRA, non-401k dollars and defer the taxation of the gains inside of the contract is incredibly valuable to me. But that may or may not be valuable to you. So it's something that we take into account when we do the planning for younger individuals. And by younger, I mean most of my clients are in that really nearing retirement age. But I certainly have clients that are in their you know, 40s and 50s. That's when the analysis comes into play. But very, very rarely will I see somebody who's 60, 65 years old where a variable annuity makes sense. Indexed annuities just make more sense, in my opinion. Okay. So the um, per- perfect candidate for fixed index annuities? Perfect candidate for fixed index annuities is somebody who is within 10 years of retirement or in retirement who is looking for a fixed rate of return that will more than likely dramatically exceed what they can get out of a CD at the bank or out of a low interest rate treasury bond or something like that, that also has the ability to provide an income down the line that they cannot outlive that can adjust for inflation. So it is the perfect combination of how do I fulfill my fixed category of my investment portfolio and how do I add longevity protection and spousal protection at the same time at no cost to me. If interest rates were 7 and 8% in the bond market, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But they're simply not. So if you've looked at annuities in the past and said, for whatever reason, I hear a lot of them that are, quite frankly, unjustified, but you know they don't provide great rates of return. My stock market portfolio is averaging 7 8%, and you know, annuities are only going to average 4 or 5 All of that is true, but you're comparing the annuity to the wrong asset category. If you compare it to a safe investment, like CDs, like treasuries, like high-grade corporate bonds, it is incredibly attractive today. 
any other types of annuities that we can, this is really helpful for me to simplify the different types of annuities and who would be the best candidate. What other types of annuities, who are the best candidates for them? Yeah, immediate annuities are, are really the last category. Immediate annuity means that I'm going to give the insurance company my money and they're going to give it back to me over a period of time. And that period of time could be anywhere from three years on a guaranteed basis, meaning just in the end of three years, they've given me all my money back plus an interest rate. Or for my lifetime, my lifetime plus, plus my spouse's lifetime, my lifetime plus my spouse's lifetime. But if both of us die early, somebody's going to get paid for a period of time. There's a myriad of choices. That is a great benefit for somebody who wants to create their own pension stream and receive the most amount of money that they possibly can off of their money. Meaning I have this $300,000. I want to create my own pension that I can never outlive, that my spouse can never outlive. I don't care if I have any money left to pass to my beneficiaries. I just want the most money I can possibly achieve as a pension stream because my company doesn't have one. That's the perfect candidate for an immediate annuity. But somebody who's 40 years old, obviously not the best candidate. Love it. Are there others? I don't have the list uh, of the... annuities on my thing, so I don't know how many there are. No, no. I mean, in general categories, there's deferred and fixed, or deferred and immediate, excuse me. And then amongst those two categories, uh, the immediate annuity is really pretty much it is what it is. The deferred annuities, there's those three categories. Interest rates are too low to look at fixed. Fixed index provides the solution. And variable annuities, in rare cases, make sense. And that's the general synopsis of all of them. And then you get into the minutia of, okay, now that I know a fixed index annuity makes sense for me, what is the best fixed index annuity? And that those waters can get pretty murky. you got to know how to navigate them. Um, but if you can, there's some really good options out there. question I get all the time is, do you own one? Yes, I do. you know, you got to practice what you preach. There's nothing that I recommend for my clients that I don't personally own. I might own them in different percentages than you do because I'm, you know, I'm not 65, but you should own them. They have, they have very valid reasons to do so. And which ones do you own again? Well, I don't own an immediate annuity because I'm not retired. I own a fixed indexed annuity. I own a variable annuity. That does not mean that I'm, you know, all my money's in annuities. I also own several managed accounts and separately managed accounts in the stock market. So Josh, just to explain to the listeners, you are married with three children and you are in your 40s. Correct. So these are the annuities that you have and investments you have picked for yourself. I have. And uh, anytime I meet with a client, I'm more than willing to talk about the reasons why I chose that. Um, in many instances, those reasons won't apply to them. But it's important that they know that I do things pragmatically and I do things because of logic the same way that I would invest for them. And everybody's different. And you have to design the right plan for you. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session or take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge, which basically you get a second opinion from Josh. You'll get a $25 gift card from Josh to spend back in our community. The number to call is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. That is spelled A-P-T-U-S Wealth. Dot com. And it's one per household, and the best 
portfolio range that this is the most effective for is $250,000. So again, take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge is basically a second opinion from Josh. He can tell you how your portfolio is doing. The number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. When we come back, we're going to talk about rebalancing a retirement plan. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, there's definitely a benefit to rebalancing a retirement plan when we're in a volatile market and things are are always changing. What is the best advice that you give your clients or what do you tell your clients? How do you how do you approach this? Well, the general idea, let's first for those who don't know what rebalancing means is the general idea is let's say I have a 60/40 allocation. 60% of my portfolio is in stocks and 40% of my portfolio is in bonds but then my stocks do really, really well and my bonds don't do as well. So now my portfolio at the end of the year looks like 70-30. Rebalancing in general would mean then at the end of the year, I sell some of my stocks, buy some more bonds, get back to that 60-40 allocation. And the theory behind that is I'm selling winners and buying losers. And the old adage of investing is buy, buy low, sell high. So you're effectively doing that on some sort of uh, planned schedule, whether that's quarterly, annually, monthly, et cetera. The other benefit to doing that is you're constantly re- you're, you're reallocating back to what your original risk profile is. So it doesn't get away from you. For example, if you invested in a 60-40 portfolio when you were 30 and you ignored it, well, stocks should drastically outperform bonds, and they have over a long period of time. So now I'm 60, and my portfolio not only should it maybe not be 60-40 anymore, but it looks like 90-10. So it's way out of whack. So while uh, in the long run, there is some contradictory information as to whether or not that improves overall performance, it it certainly has a dramatic impact on risk. So you're constantly getting your risk profile back to where you are. So, you know, where we are right now, you can imagine with the volatility, people's people's, uh, allocations are all over the place. Should you be revisiting it? The answer is an overwhelming yes. But the other question is, how should I be revisiting it? And my answer to that is all the time. And the way that we manage money is a little bit different than what this would be called a static rebalancing, meaning what most people do is I'm going to have the, the, the company automatically rebalance my portfolio. You can actually, in a lot of applications, just say, oh, I'm investing in XYZ mutual fund and XYZ uh, mutual fund, and I want them automatically rebalanced quarterly. That's a static rebalancing strategy. We are much more uh, into the tactical rebalancing strategy. And what tactical rebalancing means is not only are we going to rebalance all the time, but we're going to rebalance differently all the time. And we're going to rebalance differently all the time based upon what the economy looks like to keep not just our allocation between, in my example, stocks and bonds at 60-40, but we're going to look at what are the risk measures out in the market and how much risk are you as the client willing to take? Meaning, 
I would prefer to never have a drawdown in my portfolio in excess of 10%. So no matter what happens in the world, I know that there's volatility investing in the stock market, but I want to make sure that I don't go backwards more than 10%, or at least I want to manage to that. And everybody's different. Some people go, you know, I'm 30 years old. I can, I can deal with 20% volatility. Other people say, you know, with everything that's going on, we're going into an election year. I want to make sure that my volatility is limited to five or seven. You can only achieve that through tactical management and rebalancing effectively. So again, while tactical rebalancing, much like static rebalancing, may not have a dramatic impact on overall return over the long run, it can have an unbelievable impact in the amount of volatility that you experience along that journey. So if we start and stop at the same point, but one's graph looks like a crazy bouncing roller coaster ride and the other person's looks like a straight line, I think we can all agree that if we had to pick between the two other than going to an amusement park, but if we're talking about our money, we would much rather be on that straight line. Very predictable, not an emotional roller coaster, limits my ability to make dumb decisions by saying I'm down 20%, I can't handle this anymore, I'm going to pull out at the worst time. It limits a lot of things and increases your chance of success. Uh, there's something called emotional finance, and we've learned through that that no matter what people say, volatility is very unacceptable to almost everybody. So long-winded answer, Diane, to you should rebalance to manage risk. How you rebalance, my opinion, should be tactically. And it should be that way because we can limit the amount of downside that you feel along the journey. How much is too much all the time? If your clients are calling you every time the market shifts in a volatile market, you're encouraging people to do it often. But how much is too much? Yeah, great. So first, let's differentiate again. If you're doing static rebalancing, meaning that you're picking an interval, I think quarterly is plenty. However, the beautiful part about tactical allocation or tactical money management, tactical rebalancing, I hear it uh, you know, worded a bunch of different ways, let's call it tactical money management, is that that rebalancing is being done for you by a money manager all the time. So it's a true set it and forget it uh, way of managing money. So we're gonna look at what type of risk tolerance do you have and let's manage, rather than just saying that always automatically means you're 60-40, that's not true. Risks change. Right now, there's a lot more risk in the bond market than there was 10 years ago just because of the status of interest rates. So just because 60-40 was one risk metric 20 years ago does not mean it's the same risk metric today. So we're going to constantly reevaluate, or the money manager is going to constantly reevaluate what are the risks associated in being in these asset classes and we're going to reallocate on your behalf constantly to make sure that we keep that risk level at the right level amongst many different asset classes, meaning large companies, small companies, international companies. Um, you know, should you be in consumer staples versus technology versus healthcare? And it's a constant management and rebalancing. It's much easier to outsource that to a money manager than it is to do yourself because uh, most people wouldn't know where to start. But secondly, it's a much more active approach, and it mitigates risk 
a lot better than just a static rebalancing. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan, and we invite you to take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. Schedule a 15-minute call with Josh to get a second opinion on your portfolio, and you'll get a $25 gift card to support our local community. The number to call is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. That's spelled A-P-T-U-S Wealth. Dot com. And this is really effective with portfolios of $250,000 and up. It is also limited to one per household. Josh, I've looked at the news reports talking about older workers having to make the decision to retire early in light of global events. What advice do you give to someone in this position? Well, I think this is a, a great extension of what you just asked me before, and it almost reiterates uh, what we were talking about in active and tactical asset allocation and active management and tactical management because we need to limit downside risk. Well, if you think that you're in, uh, you're potentially on the chopping block or potentially in that position of being downsized as a result of everything that's going on in the world, how comforting would it be to you to know that you have some sort of downside protection against your assets? Meaning you have, we've talked about a lot of things, Diane, today. You have a fixed indexed annuity that you know can't go backwards and can provide a lifetime income for you at some point in the future that you can't outlive. And your stock market investments are being managed to a threshold of loss. Meaning if what happened in February and March of this year happens again, you're not going to ride with the rest of everyone down 35% like happened at the, from peak to trough in March that you have some protection elements in place. So I think number one, what am I telling workers that might be in that I have to retire early category is make sure you've reevaluated your plan and you've planned for that downside risk potential. I can't imagine anything more terrifying than I just got uh, laid off from my job. I'm 64 years old. I'm in an an economy that has 20% uh, unemployment rates. Uh, I'm trying to get rehired from a job that I was pretty highly compensated for because I've been there for a really long time. Oh, and by the way, my retirement assets are down a third. Uh, That would be a petrifying position to be in because you're already probably in a position where you are planning on an extra couple of years to build up that nest egg, to build up those retirement funds to retire on. Now they they got, you got your wings clipped and your account, uh, your accounts are down. So for sure, Revisit your retirement plan as soon as possible and make sure that you've taken the necessary steps to not pull all your money out of the stock market. That would be as foolhardy as putting all of your money in because everybody else does, but creating a plan that can achieve the results that you desire, even the event of you know, bad things happen. You have to have con- contingency plans for every retirement plan and every plan in general. And then secondly, once you've done that, decide if you are still working and you haven't been forced to retire early, should I start allocating a little bit more resources to an emergency fund? Should I start padding that up? Or should I be dedicating all my resources to long-term investments? Meaning I'm 65, I'm putting all my money in my 401k and investments that I'm planning on, you know, time horizon of 15 years from now, because that's the only way that I can really plan against volatility with the stock market. Or should I be putting that more towards the fixed accounts and the money market just in case I need to you know, give myself a cushion, particularly if you're even younger and you know you're going to need to find another job. So it's always this, almost always, I feel like a broken record sometimes, Diane, but it always comes down to planning. 
Um, just having great products and great investments doesn't do you any good unless you have a plan on how and when you're going to utilize those and how they would affect you in the event that your plan doesn't go perfectly. Do you have the contingencies in place to handle that unforeseen circumstance? Do you find with a lot of companies in Ohio that if they force uh, they force workers, either lay them off or take an early retirement, is there some sort of severance or is that going away? You know, that's a mixed bag. You know, even I had a client come in uh, this past week and they had said they were really hoping this is a, you know, a good scenario too. Let's talk about some of the good ones. And that they were planning on retiring in the, last, in the next six months or so and their employer came to them and said, as a result of everything that's going on, they're looking for some people that are willing to take an early retirement. And in exchange for that, they're going to give, you know, one week worth of pay for every certain amount of time that you were there. And it ended up working out where he's getting like, you know, he was going to retire in six months and get nothing. And they gave him six months worth of severance to retire today. He goes, man, I got to retire six months early on the same thing that I was planning on if I would have kept working for six months. So there is a positive side sometimes. But the other flip side of that is I've had some clients come in and go, looks like I'm going to get laid off. And because of the amount of layoffs that they're having, they're not given near the severances that they used to in the past. So it's kind of all over the board. Uh, it's important to speak with you know, my office, speak with your financial advisor, financial planner, your investment professional and say, what do we have in place? What contingencies do we have in place? Regardless, it could be X or it could be Y. I want to make sure that I'm not going to work petrified every day, that I know what happens. What lever am I going to pull if that occurs to me? To schedule your complimentary customized planning session or take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge, which basically is a second opinion from Josh. You'll get a $25 gift card from Josh to spend back into our community. The number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. More good stuff when we come back. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, required minimum distributions have a different look this year. What do we need to know? Yeah, this is another one of those, uh, it's, it's finally good, Diane, to start talking about some good stuff. You know, again, I think we've been talking about all the negatives in the economy and in the country right now, but there have been some goods that have come out um, and uh, as a result of this, and one of them was the CARES Act. And the CARES Act essentially has postponed your requirement to take a required minimum distribution for 2020. And for those of just a refresher, required minimum distributions is that time in your life, it used to be 70 and a half, now it's 72, where you have to start taking a percentage of your retirement accounts out every year. Because essentially, you've been kicking the can on taxes. This is pre-tax dollars. You put money into your 401k, your IRAs, before you were taxed. It's been growing tax-deferred. And the government wants, taxes. government wants the your government money wants now. their money. Exactly. So uh, as a result of COVID and the CARES Act, they essentially say you don't have to take that this year. So what has that uh, essentially created? Well, it created a, a decent chunk of opportunities. One of the huge things that you can do 
is what you would have taken out of your minimum required distribution, you can in turn take that money and roll it to a Roth. So this takes some tax planning, Diane. We have to look and make sure that, you know, would it be more beneficial for us not to take it at all and be in a lower tax bracket or because we're so used to it and we've already had a plan in place and we know we're staying in X tax bracket, do we take it anyway and then do a Roth conversion? And again, a Roth conversion means I took out those pre-tax dollars. Yes, I had to pay taxes on them, but now I can put them into a Roth IRA. And as long as I leave that Roth IRA alone for five years, that money and all the gains will never be taxed again to myself, my kids, nobody ever. So hugely, the Roth IRA by far is the best line in the tax code that exists in retirement planning. So to be able to cleanse that money forever is a, is a really, really powerful thing. And you would say, well, why don't I just do that every year? Well, the unfortunate downside is you cannot convert minimum required distributions to Roth IRAs. But again, this year, you don't have to take one. So you can do it this year. Um, there are some hiccups that it will kind of create as well. I'm getting a lot of, you know, random questions. Uh, I give my minimum required distributions to charity because then I don't have to pay taxes on them. So rather than giving, uh, you know, rather than taking my minimum required distribution and then turn around and writing it off or, or donating to my church, I don't at this point have enough things to itemize on my taxes. So I don't get any benefit for the contribution that I give to my church or, you know, whoever you donate to. So I end up giving my charitable, my, my IRA minimum required distributions directly to my church. And that way, you know, I don't have to pay taxes on it. Can I take those back? And maybe the church is a bad example, but you know, I gave this money to, and I wouldn't have given it that amount of money to this uh, charity. Can I take it back? That's a wild card. You're going to have to talk to the charity and see if they're willing to send it back. Will the IRS allow you to bring it back? Uh, everything points to yes. But once that money has been sent, it's probably going to be pretty hard to get back from the charity. So that's between you and the charity. Does that happen uh, a lot? Where people um, are like, here you go, wait. Uh, no, very, very rarely. But here was the argument that I heard. And this is a vi viable argument. They said, so I give this amount of money to the church or the charity, whoever it was. Well, I would rather give twice as much next year and not have to pay taxes on, I'm effectively lowering, you know, the amount of, I can kind of double up sure. versus this year, which is flawed math, quite frankly, Diane, but they asked me the question, so I'm going to pass it on to, to everybody that's listening. So, you know, there are some kind of hiccups. What if I already took my, here's a big one that I get all the time. I took my minimum required distribution in January. So can I send it back? In other words, can I roll it back into IRA so I don't have to pay taxes on it? And the answer is, essentially yes so if you took your rmd between february and may and you haven't made any other indirect rollovers in the past year then you have until july 15th so i don't want to get too deep in the weeds essentially if you've already taken your rmd prior to listening to this conversation right now and you go i had no idea i didn't have to take it and i don't need it there's a very good chance that we can roll that back into an ira and you will not have to pay taxes on it or there's a very good chance that we can roll that into a Roth conversion because you didn't need the money anyway, and now you won't have to pay taxes on that money or its gains ever again moving forward. So you have until effectively July 15th, which is right around the corner, less than a month away. I urge you, if you do not need your minimum required distribution, we do something different than you did last year with it because it can make a dramatic impact to your bottom line. So that's one of the huge benefits. I, I feel like we've always been talking about negatives. I want to talk about as much positive stuff as I can. That's a huge positive benefit 
of uh, the CARES Act from this year. You have an option to do some planning that you did not have last year. If you have questions about this, you can give Josh a call. The number is 614-364-7300. We also invite you to take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge if you're not one of Josh's clients. Schedule a 15-minute call with him and get a second opinion on how your portfolio is doing. You'll get a $25 gift card in return to support our local community. The number again is 614-364-7300. The website for more information is aptuswealth.com. Dot com. That's spelled A-P-T-U-S, wealth.com. And this is really effective with portfolios of $250,000 and up, limit one per household. Josh, let's talk about the stock market, the volatility. I mean, what does all this tell us? Well, whatever it's trying to tell us, it's sure doing it in a pretty confusing way. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. It's a bad communicator. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's really no hard evidence that explains what the disconnect is between the stock market and the broader economy. And what I mean by that is the stock market seems to be uh, rebounding uh, every single week, and the economic data isn't really pointing to it holistically. I mean, there's pockets of, you know, industries that are doing well. It seems like retail is, is uh, doing better than anticipated, but still not doing great, which is kind of an, you always find that interesting. You know, we, we anticipated that it was going to be awful but it wasn't awful. It was just terrible. So the stock market does well, um, you know, because there's this built in what the stock market thinks is going to happen. And even it can be bad. But as long as it isn't as bad as we thought it was going to be, then it's good, which is kind of a weird analysis. Um, and I've heard all sorts of crazy theories on what, you know, in general makes a stock market move. The best one that I've heard essentially is just mass chaos theory, basically. But uh, I've heard some funny ones recently, like the perfect storm of stupid theory. Have you heard this one, Diane? No. no. It essentially is that Americans are super bored. They're at home. Sports are canceled. Kids are screaming. Casinos are closed. And then they decide, well, why don't I plop down uh, some money uh, on the stock market because the roulette wheel is closed. I'm laughing because um, so, I know people that have done that. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's as good a theory as any, I suppose. Um, you know, there's the Fed theory which the Fed theory is, while we think the economy is doing really poorly, it appears to us that the Fed is going to continue to keep interest rates really low and print money, which will in turn drive the economy forward. So even though I think the stock market is a bad place to invest, I think it'll keep running up because the Fed will stop printing money. That's a theory. Um, then there's the, the fear of missing out theory, which is just Every time I get out of the market for logical reasons, it keeps going up and I don't want to miss the boat. You know, it's the fear and greed analogy. So Like a FOMO. You know, what, yeah, exactly. Yes, I've heard that, that, uh, that acronym as well. So there's a lot of different, you know, ideologies of what's going on in the market. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, we know that we have to have some money earning better interest rates than the fixed rates that we can get at the bank. So we have to figure out a way to take an approach, whether I go buy a bunch of real estate and I want to be a landlord and I, you know, that has some risks associated with it. The stock market certainly has risks associated with it. Risk and reward are proportional, meaning that, you know, the more risk you take, the more reward you can achieve. The real question I think that people are asking when they talk about the stock market is how do I invest in the stock market? and minimize the amount of volatility that I see 
and maximize the amount of reward that I, or at least achieve the amount of reward that I need. So that greed wants us to, we hear these stories about, well, if you, I got one today, you know, I'm on Facebook today and it says the Motley Fool, what if you could have bought Netflix at $1.87? What if you could have bought Amazon at, you know, two cents? Well, of course we all would have been, wanted to be one of those people. But really what they're, appear, what they're appealing to is your greed. It doesn't mean that it's a logical way to invest. You have to come up with a rules-based, logical system that minimizes risk and achieves the goals that you want. So ignore all of the Kramer ding, 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 buy this individual stock. It's simply not an achievable outcome. It's gambling. We're deciding on one stock hoping that that's the home run. We're watching the news. We're watching the stock market bounce around like crazy. We're watching all the bad news, the good news, and how am I supposed to decipher all of this stuff? There are strategies you can employ that will earn you better than fixed interest rates and can still mitigate a lot of that risk. So if you're not doing those things and you're still participating in the stock market uh, the way you did 40 years ago, that's not the best approach. And it's not the best approach because it doesn't, you no longer probably have the pension to safeguard you against loss. You're questioning whether or not Social Security is going to be there. Um, we now have, you know, a completely different interest rate environment that we had 30 years ago. You have to take different approaches to try and achieve the results that you want. So definitely reach out to our office. Happy to chat with you about them. If nothing else, you will learn that maybe you've been looking at this all wrong or maybe you've been looking at it all right. And great confirmation is always, you know, there's nothing better than, uh, my wife always says, you know, before I go out, it'd be nice if you just told me I look nice. You know, it's confirmation. You know, you want, you want that confirmation to know you're doing the right stuff. So let's get confirmation that you're on the right path with your retirement plan. Call us today. Find out that you're on the right path. And that number is 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. I'm going to explain the Aptus challenge in just a minute while we end the show. But I just wanted to ask you, I've always been taught that when the market's volatile, that dollar cost averaging is, is the way to go. So, you know, if the market goes up, then I buy my certain amount each month. If it goes down, then I get to buy more. Yeah, with the I mean, same amount, the, consistent amount. Yeah, age-old theory, it's, it's about accumulating shares of whatever you're purchasing as opposed to the dollar amount. And dollar cost averaging is what we all do in our 401ks, IRAs, uh, every single month. Also, it, it puts us on a, you know, I talk about structure, I talk about a plan, I talk about um, a, you know, some sort of rules-based system. Dollar cost averaging is, in fact, that. I'm going to pick a day every single month where I'm going to put in money no matter what. That's a rules-based approach. Where the challenge really becomes an issue is now I'm done with all that. Now I'm retired. So there is no more dollar cost averaging. What do I do now? And that's when tactical investing becomes even more critical because we want to still figure out a way to minimize or mitigate that volatility, but we don't have it in the way of dollar cost averaging because we're done investing in it. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To learn strategies to manage risk in this new economy and to schedule your complimentary customized planning session or take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. It is spelled A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. Again, thanks for joining us. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with host Josh Pick. 
Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims-paying ability of the issuing company.